How do you guys have the energy to do all the extra things you do, especially when they are related to what you do for a living? Mm. Here's the secret. We don't have the energy. (laughs) We're very tired. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 215 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm a collection of animalcules. Uh, (laughs) Sam, and I'm the artist. You threw me off, Adam. (laughs) Zany titles. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Sebadubdu. 20 grand team. Before you start, <laughs> that's July 22, 722. Oh, okay. is the, uh, I could not figure out what this is. Uh, like, before we get started, we have a warning. <laughs> anything can happen on this show. Incoherent date formats, profanity, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that children theoretically shouldn't hear, which I guess is just profanity. But who are we kidding? They're mm-hmm. going to they're gonna do it anyway. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Um, oh, yeah. Also, we have a, okay. We have a, a smorgasbord of donations came in over uh over our ko-fi over at moneygrab.bscatch.net more most importantly we got a uh multi-part message from the Blug king ferdinand the 17th <laughs> sure okay but Blug king now what happened last week in Levelhead is belugs were removed from the game mm-hmm. and replaced with with hard lights yep and this has been a controversial <laughs> Uh, incident. I don't think it's been that controversial. And <laughs> no, well, by controversial, I mean at least two people kind of liked the Belugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so, are, and, are, <laughs> and are very mildly bummed that they yep. are gone. Yeah. Yep. So, this is the peak. This is the drama of the century of the level head community. <laughs> uh-huh. And of course, we now have political figures getting involved, like Belug King Ferdinand the 17th, mm-hmm. uh, who says. And when you say a multi part message, does that mean he'd made multiple donations? So, to we, have this a, message? we have a character limit. <laughs> And so Belug King donated multiple times in order to write a message long enough. And so I feel like we should sure, yeah, I feel okay. like we should read it. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. And I also like that our ploy finally paid off. Mm, the limited you know, character. The limited cap. character we were like, this way we can extract maximum value from our customers. Yep. yep. Okay. So Belug King Ferdinand says as the king of the Belugs, I am making this offering on behalf of my people to our God and creator in a final plea to not be removed from existence. We are very concerned to learn that our God has hated us since our creation. <laughs> it's true. He finds us disgusting and unsightly. <laughs> Despite that, we have always done our best to hold everyone up and help them achieve new heights. Always sending our pinkest brethren to brighten up levels. They are very pink. Despite there being over 16 million different uh, races of varying colors of belugs. That's true. Uh, so they only sent the pinkest belugs mm-hmm. into levels, apparently. However, it seems that is not enough. Our creator has forsaken us for hard lights. We beg of you to reconsider. Please give the belug a second chance. Please, Sam, don't delete us. Please don't wipe us from existence. Please, Sam, do not erase my people. <laughs> So, well, I we heard did, your though. plea, but uh, like most, you know, omnipotent deities, I don't care. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I got other things to worry about. Thanks for the tribute, and we're going to move right on. Uh, yeah. We also have a message from Anonymous, uh, who said, I started binge listening from episode one almost two years ago, and listening to your adventure. Well, from episode one, that was a, it's a janky one. That, that was is, an audio experience <laughs> that you put yourself through. Yeah. We had some. That was when we were recording in a bed mm-hmm. on a Kleenex, using a Kleenex box to hold the microphone up. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, listening to your adventure gave me the much needed encouragement to take game making seriously. My first commercial game was selected to be in the PAX 10 this year. Hey, awesome. Thank awesome. you for the laughs and encouragement. So, I wonder which one it is. I just looked it off of them and I was like, these are nice. The best one. Probably. That's probably the one. best one. That's mm-hmm. which one it is. Oh, I'm excited. In PAX 10. Are we, so we're going to be at. Sam and I will be at PAX. We'll be, we will be before PAX. Yeah, we'll have left, I think, by the time yeah. PAX even starts. So I guess we will not see this. But if PAX you're in town, uh, go ahead and shoot us a note. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you're in town before is. PAX starts. Yes. Yeah. So maybe there'll be. I a, think we're going to leave that Friday morning. So we're leaving like literally just right before the. Right the show starts. We're getting out of here. Also, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters who just keep donating all the time, all day, every day, 24-7, 365. Yep. Uh, Money so rain. Money rain is nice. All right, let's talk about Dragon Quest Builders 2. It's got a long name. As we all know, the sequel to the famous Dragon Quest Builders 1. Yes. 
I, I assume, uh, which I assume we have all heard of both of these games. Yep. So I hadn't heard of either of them, but uh, I knew of Dragon Quest, which is sort of a, a famous JRPG. Sort of, it's it's like the way I put it is it's more it's a more anime or cartoonized version of Final Fantasy. That's sort of, the that's easy. the game that they were playing in Stranger Things too, right? The like the animated uh, characters and stuff, and like you're right. On the, in the arcade, oh, like like really old. oh, Dragon's Quest, yeah. like the really old. Yeah, oh, no, that's a different one. Oh, but it's also called. It's Dragon's got it's Quest. got a very <laughs> like you could have a more generic name. Yeah, but pretty generic. It would be a little tricky. Anyways, okay. it's, an, it's an old old series. Okay, and uh, every couple of years they come out with a big new RPG. But then they did uh, a couple of years ago they did Dragon Quest Builders, and so the whole idea was, of course, you know, building stuff with blocks is is cool. It's in. It's, it's hot, like hot. Minecraft style. So it's Minecraft okay. style. So the world is actually the world is this you know cubey world but then the characters are all the characters from uh, like a style of characters from this sort of more more anime jrpg sort of style uh, and they thing. live in a block world they live in a block world um but they do a l- really clever job of weaving together uh the crafting systems with the combat the combat is really just like mash your button up while you're standing next to enemies it's not exactly a lot going on there but um and then with base building in a way that well, i found super inspiring for anything we ever want to do for future like crash Lens related stuff because essentially what they do is they make this virtuous circle where you you build – so in, in most crafting games, you end up having to do a lot of just routine tasks yourself, right? So even something like Stardew Valley, uh, you can automate your farm to some degree, but you always got to go out there and do a bunch of things. So in, in Dragon Quest Builders, you start off uh, sort of – you basically slowly build a town. And not only do you – do you like build it up with you know, like building little rooms and stuff? Or everybody has like a room detector. So as you build a room of the correct, you know, so it's like Terraria style. It's like Terraria style. Yeah. Uh, and then someone will move in. Um, but as when someone moves in, then they'll they'll start like uh, basically harvesting, like helping out around, right? So they'll plant seeds. They'll do mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff for you. And so it ends up getting to a point where you can just you walk over to a chest, you just put your stuff in there, and then your farm people just go take care of it. And the best part is, as they take care of stuff, they're just so happy to be there. That they like give off these little hearts of gratitude, right? <laughs> and you pick them up and you collect them, and that's actually the currency. You collect the hearts. Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. the experience. It's gratitude, right? That you collect to then like level up your base, which then makes the people in your base, your followers, do more and more of this sort of. So it's a clicker. Stuff. It, it basically becomes a clicker in an interesting way. Hmm. Um, and then they have this really cool crafting system called a, a blueprint, uh, which basically makes it so you know in m- most of these games you just kind of build whatever you want, and it tends to be you know kind of wonky or whatever. Um, but in this one, they literally – so you, you'll discover these blueprints and go put them down in your base and it maps out a really cool building, almost like a Lego set. And then you sort of – you have to plonk the right blocks oh, in the right place fun. to make the blueprint. And as soon as you make it, then it, it gets like sort of an extra oh. level of functionality to it. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yes. So it's kind of like a – it makes me think of like an armor set. Yeah. Like getting all the right pieces. 100%. Yeah. You get your set um, bonus. Yeah. And the craziest one was the one I ran into last night. I'm almost finishing the first island. And apparently this game lasts just forever. Like that was one of the reasons. It's a $60 game. It's like a AAA game. So one of the reasons I bought it was I read some reviews. I just kept on seeing it pop up over mm-hmm. the last week. Did it just come out? Just came out, yeah, okay. last week or so. And people just kept on talking about how good it was and how addicted to it they were. And I watched some guy's review and he was he's a YouTuber who was trying to finish it so he could give a full review and he just can't finish it. He's like, <laughs> and so the reason it's it's an interesting blend, like it feels like it feels to me like uh, like a like a 3D version of Crashlands in some ways because mm-hmm. it's actually completely story driven. Also, so you're not just out there like punching trees and stuff. The whole thing is mapped for a very particular purpose, and it's and all they do. And this is all set up so you can also have online multiplayer. Yeah, some, is, is that basically just like somebody comes and joins you, or is there? I haven't tried it yet, but okay. I, yeah, I think they just hop into your world. I assume, and then you go and do stuff together. Does your character also level up and all that? Yeah, so the character levels okay. up, you craft armor and weapons. So it's just loops thing. on loops. Yeah, and it's, I was watching all that, I was like, ah, oh, this is so good. Are you saying, because my wife and I only have one Switch. Yeah. Are you saying that we need to buy a second Switch oh, just so that we can spend $60 a piece to buy this game twice, just so that <laughs> we, we can have a rad, uh, although then we have to play without just on the little tiny screen too. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this. Nope, hand, that means you got to buy a second TV <laughs> and put it in the same room. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like side by side. Yeah, because there's no local co-op, of course. But I, it's it's just a fantastic game, honestly. You and, know, it'd be weird hmm. to have a picture in picture. If you have like a big screen TV where you're both playing on a switch, but then you do it picture in picture, so that one person has a little tiny, mm-hmm. little tiny TV up in the corner. But I think that actually be smaller than if you're just playing <laughs> <laughs> much farther away, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's really possible. good, and um, and it's fun, and the writing is just sort of it's it has a similar 
a level of just like it's just goofy. It's all just goofy stuff, but also really weirdly serious shit happens all the time. And so I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but like people are dying. People who you're like, you're just like, oh, man, I like this character now. They're great. And then boom. So it's Game of Thrones. Dead. Yeah, Game of Thrones in it all the Game time. Game of Thrones, Minecraft, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy. It's awesome. <laughs> and the, the, the final blueprint I got last night before I was like, okay, I need to go to bed now because this is not, this is going to take me too long. It was a blueprint to build something that has like 300 blocks in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a, it's like, I think it's eight levels tall of just like a Lego set you have to go put all the right blocks down for. Yeah. And I was like, this is cool, but I need to leave because yeah. it's like 40 <laughs> minutes to figure this Actually, out. Actually, when it does come to the cost, you know, a 300 piece Lego set's like 20 bucks. That's true. You know what I mean? You get tons of those. Or shit's probably more than that even. The funniest part though is that at one point they're like- 200 bucks. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> at one point, one of my villagers comes up and he's like, look, I need you to build me a, a tiny room with a, with a pot in it and a towel rack. And I was like, what do you need that for? And he's like, come on, man. We everyone needs to go to the bathroom. I haven't gotten <laughs> to go to the bathroom in like a civilized way since I arrived here. I've been going in the woods. It's getting really embarrassing. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So I built this room for them. And then, yeah, they go. Everyone runs over. They wait in line. And they do like sort of the shaky legs thing <laughs> where they're like, clearly I got to go real So bad. it's like the Sims almost now. It's almost like yeah. the Sims. And then, they, and then they go and you see them just like they sit on top of the pot. Okay. For a little bit. And then they go. Oh, that's so much better. And then they leave. And then you can collect from inside the pot. They call oh, it no. they call it night soil, <laughs> which you can then collect. And then you can turn it to fertilizer. Nice. And I'm just like, what? That's the only building in my entire town that I built a roof over. I went through the trouble doing that because like, I don't want to see I this. I don't want to see this. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'll go in there and scoop it out. But I don't want to see, see this. But yeah, it's like it is a sim. It becomes a sim. And it's just really compelling. Damn. Yeah. If only is it was the world uh, on PC is the world randomly generated or is it? Uh, it look. My guess is it's a combo where they probably mapped it in some way and then and then messed with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not it's not procedurally generated. It's like okay, but it must have been at some point because there's just a you know a too much. Yeah, yeah. so that's just one island. And apparently, there's just tons of different islands. So I haven't even finished this first piece of the. Well, world. you heard it here, folks. Dragon Quest Builders two two. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it just rolls right off it. your tongue and brain. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. The most non-generic game name in the world. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then also you went to musical improv, which I want to hear about. Yeah, so Sam had a lot of adventures this past week. I did. So uh, so Saturday night, a friend of ours has been doing improv here in St. Louis, and she's also a really good singer. And so we went to her show on Saturday night with her little improv troupe, as they're called, um, which also I haven't been to an improv show in a while. And those are rowdy and very fun. So you show up and everyone – because everyone's just excited to like see some weird stuff, right? Yeah. Lots of screaming in the crowd, whatever. And I didn't realize that it was – it is actually – their group is a musical group. And so what they do is they compose an entire – they do a whole musical and then there's an intermission and they do a whole another one. And so every couple of minutes, they're making up an entire fucking song. <laughs> and like – Does that mean there's a – Is there a band? Is, it, is there a, there's a an guy, acapella or is it – There's a guy with a piano. Okay. Who is like so, also – apparently he used to work at Second City. And ah, so, so he's, he's improv like, piano stuff. He's like an incredible okay. improv piano guy. And then, yeah, they would just make up songs and, and the whole – and it had like an actual character arc to this whole insane story that they came up with. And it was just one of those things where I was like – before we got there, my wife was like, have you done improv before? I can't remember. And I was like, yeah, I did a little bit in high school. And like the podcast is kind of like long-form improv anyways, so – like, I'm pretty sure I'd be pretty good at it. And then we sit down. And then, like, after the first one, I was like, never mind. I, I would not. <laughs> I could not handle no this. Way. You were, uh, you, were the, you were on the far down that Dunning Kruger. I curve. was, yep, right there. So <laughs> I've breathed. I've breathed. I could, I could, I could do, do this. It was uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, this makes me think about game jams. Yeah. Where we're basically, because we, we reached a point where we could make a fully functional game with the loops and everything in, in an eight hour period. Um, so we did that with Flop Rocket and Freeway Mutant and Roy Rage and all these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it you kind of reach this point where you you see the like every pattern, you yeah. know, like in every in every game that you play. As soon as you boot it up, you're like, oh yeah, I know, like mm-hmm. uh, because there there are all these sort of these uh, like substructures that are used to build these larger scale games. And so I wonder if if you do improv for that long, even like musical improv or whatever, if you reach that point where like, you kind of know all the stories, mm-hmm. you and know, all the songs, you know, you know, all the song patterns that yep. that tend to crop up in a musical or whatever. And, and I wonder if that kind of like makes it harder to enjoy going to watch a, a musical. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just like, yeah, I know. Well, this is the I know where this is going. A few of the songs were actually like 
like pretty good to the point where I was like, if you just polish this up, yeah, put this in a- and like put some extra <laughs> verses in here that would be fine for a musical. It could be totally fine. Yep. And it, it definitely has that ring to it where you're like, how much how much of of all the preparation for some of these things is, is required versus you just need to like throw a musical improv group on stage and then just mm-hmm. write down whatever the Well, hell I, I think honestly, <laughs> what it, I mean, it, it does make me think of, of games though because, you know, we've talked about how so much time has to go into the marketing yes. and the testing and the refining. I think that's exactly Yeah, so it's yep. like, you know, like we build an MMO in a weekend, but if we want to launch an MMO, it's going to take us two years. Yep. You know? Yeah. So, so like you a could, musical, right? Yeah, like yeah. you could improv a musical in 15 minutes, uh, but if you want to make a, make, like go on tour and hire a cast of actors yep. And do all this other administrative work, you know, that's years of work to, to prepare. Costume changes and special mm-hmm. effects. And, and a huge cost. Because now you got It costs you nothing basically to go up on stage and do the original thing, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, if you want to put that together into a viable business model. Um, but it's it so deceptive. Yeah. Because like you – it seems like you're so close after that first yeah, wave. Yeah, but, but you're only – you've barely made it. You haven't even really <laughs> – like yeah. basically you yeah. still just have an idea, yeah. you know? So that's yeah, super interesting. That's very interesting. That's a good point too, because we always talk about how ideas are useless and it's all about execution, but it's it goes beyond that too, because it's actually the initial execution is also useless. It's like because you still got to take it the yeah, whole way. It's, yeah. it's the whole. It's being able to take it the whole way. That's actually where the value comes from. Yeah. So very interesting. Uh, let's talk about some studio stuff. Uh, so first thing is Shanana Jam is over. Mm-hmm. Our last episode was the live episode that we did uh, with our shenanigan participants on Discord. Um, so as of right now, we've had 111 games submitted. And so far, we have 1,152 ratings, and we had over 400 participants. And I want to give a shout-out to Retro Banana Man, NL, and Neat Games for going through and rating every single entry yeah, <laughs> which awesome. is amazing which is yeah. crazy um so we're, we're going to be doing the playthrough ourselves of the top rated games um and i think rating ends when In a week i think it's a two-week period so from monday next monday okay yeah so this this upcoming weekend or toward the end of this week uh make sure to get in there play games rate them um, and then we will be taking the top 10 games and making a YouTube Let's Play video. Yeah, that's at ShenandoJam.com. com. This is one of my favorite things about the jam, too, is it, it's it's one of the few jams where you do, because of the online rating, uh, everybody will get a rate, get rated by somewhat. That's, I mean, we've already had two people who have done the whole kit, right? And so um, it's really cool that there's there's enough, I mean, with more than 1,000 ratings between, uh, between all 100 games. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome, but there's enough of that going around that people can get some actual feedback about something that they made. Right. Even of yes. course you made it in two days. So, you know, it's going to be yeah. a little rough, but yeah, a lot of times the feedback, somebody's like, I don't like this part. You're like, yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. You got to take the feedback with a grain of salt, of course, but yeah, yeah, most of the time it's very positive though. That's yeah. really the nice thing about it. Yeah. I mean, the jam is all about that positive atmosphere of just, yeah. you know, getting the thing done, put your nose in the grindstone and mm-hmm. just having something come out and then celebrating the fact that you did it more so than, the thing itself. Yeah. And this is also why we restricted the rating to participants of the jam because like they know, they know what you went yep. through to make it. Yeah. So like if, it, if some rando just stumbles across it and gets to, gets to judge, it's like, who now, yeah. who do you, you think you are? Get out of here. <laughs> um, also, we want to talk about the Shenanicon, yes, which is coming. So we're going to be pushing hard on this thing. It's coming uh, September 28. So two, two months. Yes. Just over two, two months. months. Yeah. Um, so this is an event here in St. Louis. It is a Saturday afternoon, 1 to 5 p.m. Uh, you can get more information and tickets over at meet.bscotch.net. So what is this thing? It's This is our second time doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a way for us to meet face-to-face with members of the community. We put on a live podcast episode. And then we also like to do sort of a behind-the-scenes peek at some stuff that we normally would never – show to anybody do we um, want to tell people what the peak is yes yeah tell so we're gonna we're gonna actually do some some deep dives into scuffle buddies which is that long ago canceled project mm-hmm. so we worked on scuffle buddies for six months and it came out of the first shenanigans jam game that we did which was called snuppy rustling mm-hmm. um we we thought the idea had promise and so we worked on it for six months and then we ended up scrapping it to work mm-hmm. on level head and uh, I think our goal is we're going to probably talk about that and talk about where we're, we're going to show it. And then we're going to, I think we're going to actually try to get some playable versions of it. Yeah. So people can just see like what, yeah, ha- what we, happened. We left it game. in some sort of a playable state. I don't it's, know. It's, what. It was always playable in varying ways. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's just a really weird thing <laughs> and we don't ever plan on really showing it to the world. Yep. Uh, but if you do want to see that, then come to Shenanicon because it's going to be weird. Um, so yeah, we'll do the live podcast episode. We'll have uh, a lot of level head community stuff. I think we're going to do some kind of like do a speedrun challenge of sorts, like a co-op speedrun, yeah, like, a, like almost like a level head sack race, basically, yeah, which would be really fun. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll be doing a little bracketed tournament for that, uh, and then otherwise just hanging out for the yep. afternoon. And we'll probably, we'll probably just have some level head stations up so people can just mm-hmm. co-op co-op yes. away. Um, and then afterwards, we'll also uh, have some of the group going out to like a local bar or restaurant and just kind of hang out and chat um, after the after the event. So that's again, that's uh, that's September 28th, 1 to 5 p.m. Meet.bscotch.net. Get your tickets. This is a limited capacity thing. So get signed mm-hmm. up and and get in there. Yep. It's one of those things where we're starting small and keeping it small just to because it's a lot of work to even put a small one together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, someday we might have a big one, but for now, figure it for out. Now, yeah, we're Keeping just kind of, we're just kind of figuring it out. So yeah, if you want to be a hipster, you can really like, get in there <laughs> yeah. while it was still a small thing. And that's true. I mean, we have, cause last year we had, how many people attended last year? Uh, we had like 40, 40 35 to 40 or something. Um, yeah. So all those people have, you know, the, they have their badges from the first Shenanicon mm-hmm. ever. We had some people drive like 12 hours. Yeah. In a van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. It was yeah. very, it was very heartwarming to see all these people come out. Um, and then otherwise, oh, yeah, so some some other studio news. We had a quarterly review this past week, uh, which uh, was supposed was to be – just on thir- Thursday? It was on Thursday. <laughs> okay. It was like five, four days ago or five days ago. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what happened in the last quarter and what we do in these quarterly reviews. Mm-hmm. So this quarter was uh, was May, June – or April, May, June. April, May, June, yeah. And so in April, end of April or middle of April, we launched uh, Level Head into Early Access – um, and then we've since then we've launched nine uh, major patches for Levelhead, introducing new features and stuff. Uh, we've been doing a lot of business dealings behind the scenes and trying to sort of like move some things around. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about what we discovered in our quarterly review. Well, so I think I, the most interesting part of it is how just how hard it is during early access to stay on a production schedule. Um, not in the sense of launching a patch every week, but in the sense of setting out to do something uh, and then doing that and then thing. doing that thing as opposed to whatever else. As opposed to whatever you're getting feedback on right now. Well, yeah. I think yeah, we can, we can say that before we went into early access, the our our production setup had it so that we had in all of our Trello boards there was a there was a column called doing, and in that column would go the things that we were doing, you know, for this you know I mean? sprint for basically. the sprint, and our sprints were we were we were having two meetings a week, so it was basically like two day sprints or whatever. Um, and, and we did a pretty good job of putting in a handful of things. And then by the time we have our next meeting, all those things were gone, you know, most of the time. And there weren't new things in there. And there weren't new things in there that just suddenly appear. It's time to hit. And then we just agree on what's next and then do those things. Yep. So since, since launch, uh, since early access launch, we've moved into a one week schedule, um, because we wanted to be able to plan out things a little bit more ahead and be a little less, uh, moving at the, at the whim of, of the world, you know? Um, and, and then we found last week, we were kind of, you know, we're looking at stuff and found out the level head Trello board and it's doing column had, uh, I believe dozens of cards that Seth said have been in there for weeks, weeks yeah. or months, even months. there were um, some cards that were there within the first couple of weeks of early access that were just still, still in, in there. that were still in the doing section. Yeah. The doing thing was supposed to be for the things that are on the current sprint. Uh, so it was pretty clear that everything fell apart. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, we yeah, we had, we had a a couple by a couple of weeks ago we had like three hundred something cards in our to do list, like ninety cards in our inbox, and like a ninety or a hundred cards in our doing pile. And for those not familiar with Trello, a card is basically just like a thing that's got to get a done. piece of work. A piece of yeah. work yeah. could be anywhere from like fifteen minutes to a few hours, but anything more than that, that becomes like a project. And yeah. You kind of break it apart. Though some of those still are just our card, you know, yeah. until, until yeah. they get broken apart. So yeah. Um. So so I think what. What really and so we we took a deep dive and tried to figure out what happened, and it really just came down to the launch into early access was a huge context change for us, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden the pressures that we were subjected to were almost completely external in terms of the kind of feedback we were getting and the, and the way that we were that we were planning our work um, because before we had the game out we would just say what do we think the game needs next and then that's just what we would do. Right. And it didn't really matter if that was a two-week project or a one-week project or if it was going to be done tomorrow, right? 
But once we have this deployment schedule, then the first question is always, what what would we what can we do to keep people pumped about the game in the next patch? Right. Um, and so now all of a sudden we're thinking in in the short term. We're thinking about like getting flashy things and things that are like easy, like that sort of like add these these high leverage gains to to the game. Um, so maybe like we we like we just put in swinging spikes, you mm-hmm. know, and that was a, a fairly straightforward change to do. Um, and it's something that we can make a GIF out of, and we can show it, and we can talk about it. But those kinds of things always come at the expense of optimizations and Im- improvements for our web infrastructure and mm-hmm. web tech, and all these, and also laying systems. the groundwork for bigger, bigger problems that, or bigger projects even that are going to take a week or multiple weeks yeah. to actually fully finish. And so, so we're we're kind of we're kind of uh, reorienting ourselves now. So the first thing we did is we just kind of like burned down the Trello board and got rid of like a hundred and. 70 cards or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we reestimated our time on everything and, and redid our whole, our whole sort of work planning process to make sure that we aren't sort of over planning, you know, what's coming. Um, and then we're also going to be shifting our design focus on level head in the short term toward a lot more of these, uh, like heavier web and social features, because we realize that that's just still kind of a, kind of a weak point of the game. Mm-hmm. And we saw that when we put the notification system in last week, which now, like when somebody subscribes to you and they follow you, whatever, you get this, you get a message about it. When somebody tips you exposure bucks and all of a sudden everybody feels a lot more connected to other yeah. players in the game. Because mm-hmm. he made all this, all this activity that previously was basically invisible, visible to everybody, right? And yeah. so this hive of activity, which is we've been able to see on the backside of things, um, has been going on, is now actually players can can pop in and see what's happening. In the yeah. Game, which is really nice. What I think and that whole idea of making the – Community activity visible is mm-hmm. uh, is really what we want to get at. It's yeah, just overhead. Yeah. What what can we do to make make things work like that? And another thing that revealed too is that with sort of a centralized hub for notifications that that we then added, uh, suddenly that that presented a solution to a whole bunch of sticky things that mm-hmm. that previously made us have so like our 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 favorite system and our subscription system and and. We don't even have a likes thing. You can only say that this thing is your favorite thing. You can't be like just like this I like this. Good. Right? Yeah, so this is good enough. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not <laughs> right. keeping it around. So there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that that previously for a, a large variety of technical reasons was going to be something that would be too hard to make like really good. And so yeah. we just kind of had let it sit there in this sort of a it gets the job done state, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but yeah, but now that suddenly after notifications are in there, we realize we can kind of re we can just redo a whole bunch of these other things and add some new features. Uh, that really all just leverage notifications. Yeah. Like yeah. That's actually what they do. Um, but they make everything a lot more tied together and compelling. Yeah. So we're going to be digging into all that stuff. And we're also working on developing the backend for an achievements system. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the, 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 back the, web, the website is ready. Now we got to develop the game backend, yes. which is like <laughs> the, the game needs to know how to talk to the website. And then once that's done, then we make the player facing side of the game system. Yeah. So there's all these really heavy things that they take a lot of work. And when that work is done, there's still nothing. Like you still can't see <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, and then after that is when we build the interface to show you what's happening behind the scenes. And so those are the kinds of things that we've been, I would say, neglecting pretty hard um, over the course of this first phase of early access that we want to be putting more time into. So Yeah, and a lot of the rationale here too is that we want to make sure that we can launch this game at – the best opportunity for the game, you know? Uh, and so to do that, we need to make sure that whatever we think is, is strictly required. Cause I think we're, we're now past the point in terms of the game's content where uh, there's nothing really like kind of left. That's there's a ton of stuff that we want to do. And there's a lot a ton of, nice of stuff that have. we think and a lot of nice to have and a lot of stuff that we even think is very important to do. Um, but there's actually very little left that is strictly required yes. as in, if it's not there, it's a real problem. And so we kind of decided to, to, tackle that stuff first and get that stuff yeah, done because then the game to, is always launchable. Yeah. And that comes down to basically a way more robust social side of things. Yeah. That's essentially what it is, including achievements. Yeah. Great. And getting ready for cross-platform play. When it's also it, as a game designer, it does kind of like it, it feels weird because mm-hmm. you'd like to think, you know, here's these like 10 new items we want to put in the game and it's going to, it's going to add all these cool like layers of gameplay and all these mm-hmm. really interesting mechanics and all these amazing things players can build. But when it comes to the longer term uh, success of the game, it really comes down to the community, right? And so you got to ask yourself, like, if we added lasers to the game, is that going to be the thing that drives sales to grow the community? And it's actually probably not, right? Yeah. Um, because if people weren't sold on the initial pitch 
of the initial hundred whatever items they have available. And it doesn't matter. The, the presence of one more item isn't actually the thing. Yeah, you, you get a serious diminishing returns in a game like this where there's – where on the one hand, every new item adds an additional layer of combinatorial complexity. So – uh, but so at, for at players point, who are already in it, like right. that's great, right? But at some point, once the com- once the complexity is large enough, it doesn't really. Even if you multiply it by another factor of a million, it it's just doesn't really infinite. matter because it's, it's still infinite. infinite. Yeah. It's, infinite. it's been infinite the whole time. Um, well, I think that's that's basically the rub of being in early access is that is that you. The really nice thing about, it, of course, is you have a community, you have feedback now, which is phenomenal for shaping the game as it is. Um, but the problem is you're actually serving. You have to serve two different markets, and you have to keep that in mind, which is yeah. you have a current player base. Which has a and those are the only ones you're communicating with. Yeah, and then you have the non-existent player base that you haven't gotten yet, right? And the important thing those are the ones that are required to make the game successful. Yeah, and so what what might be important to those different groups may be completely different. Yeah, and so you got to really keep that balance in mind as you go. Yeah, so that's kind of where things are at um, with Levelhead, and and yeah, I I think that that quarterly review thing is a really interesting one. It's it's something that. I feel like should be it's weird that we have New Year's resolutions as as people, but we don't really do anything that's like a hard reset more frequently. Than yeah, they're that. like plan out for the whole year because it's, it's mm-hmm. so obvious that in this quarterly review that like like four weeks into this quarter, we were way the fuck off the rails. Yeah. You know, like we I don't even know where we were and we just stayed there for two months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's not until you sit down and take a whole day and say, OK, we're not doing anything today other than just taking a really hard look at what we are doing. And decide like, is this good? Is this what we should be doing? Yeah, and even that only took four, like three hours actually. And the rest of the day was spent was clearing fixing the fucking – yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> was fixing the level head board, fixing the web dev board, you yeah. know, like getting all that done. Um, and, and and a lot of that comes down to, you know, you come up with a plan. And in our case, it was we had a certain way of doing things um, that was working very well for us right before the level head launch into early access. And we we just kept that. We kept that structure and Despite the fact the world changed around us. Yeah, the us. world changed around us and our structure wasn't built to absorb the kinds of influences that we were being hit by after that launch. Mm-hmm. And so our, our systems completely fell apart and we had no met we had no sort of like tool in place to catch that and fix it. Um and so I, I think like this happens to people all the time as well, you know, like maybe a, a career change or or you like move or, or whatever it is. Um and you find yourself just kind of like in a weird mental state and you have no good systems for handling your mm-hmm. shit. Uh, this is where like people get really unhealthy and their sleeping habits get all fucked up. And um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's just an interesting – it's an interesting thing that well, happens. I think it's something you got to do as a – whether you're a business or a person. If you're not checking in every so often, then you literally are just going to fly off the rails because yeah. that's what people do. Right. Quarterly review. That's good. But I think, I think the kind of the one of the big challenges to it is that's really obvious once you think about it, but that's somehow hard to notice at the time, is that if you're adding work in faster than you're taking work out, then you're fucked now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and it's just it's so easy to to not notice that because it's so easy to add work to yourself or to a project or whatever because uh, you have an idea and an idea now becomes work and it's and those are it's free it's free to generate work you know uh, but very costly to complete it and I think that's that's been the problem with with Levelhead in particular is that because that that was exacerbated exacerbated enormously once we added the community because the community is coming up with good ideas and we're already coming up with ideas and we also have a backlog of ideas that nobody yep. even knows about yet. Uh, and so all of a sudden we're just adding in like every, every week during our production meetings, we've got a hundred items in the inbox, uh, or more of like things that would be nice or really good ideas of new, entirely new systems we could add or whatever. Uh, and we're not, and we're not taking that much work out. Yeah. So we're, we're just creating this infinitely growing list. And we also do this to ourselves on the day to day. You know, we're always like, "Here's the infinite list of all the things that I should be doing better." You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we we never take shit away. It's always like, yeah. "I'm going to learn Spanish now." Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what else, what are you going to not do? Oh, I'm going to keep doing everything, and yeah. I'm going to learn Spanish. <laughs> and that, yeah, I'm going to be think, really tired. Yeah, I think I think the <laughs> the key about doing this kind of a review is is identifying all the stuff, just like identifying all the stuff, and then taking a really realistic view and asking just realistically. Like what of this is is actually important? What of this can I actually do, and so on, and get down to some list where you're where you have a metric to to work against, like literal human time, you know that that is available to you to ask, like, is this going to happen? Because if it's not, just quit fucking worrying about it and throw it away, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was that was basically how we purged the level head board. Is we just well, said, we also kept asking the question of because we, we would have some card on there that would be like add achievements, 
right? Yeah. And, and we're looking at this and we're like, this is like a 30-hour project. Plus- Split between four different, three different people, yeah, right? Yeah. Not only, and not only that, but like, we know it. Yeah, we know we need We to know do. that this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be a card. It doesn't need to be managed in this list. It is top of mind every day. Like yeah. every single day we play the game, we're like, man, I really, this really needs to keep this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So- we don't need to put it in there. We just need to next time we have our production meeting, just do the dang thing and mm-hmm. get it off the board, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the other thing that we that we did, uh, we used to do and we kind of stopped doing, and now we're back into it is is that idea of time estimates. Yeah. So every every piece of work that we that we put into the board needs a time estimate on it, and we allocate the work based on how much time we have available. It's this weird. Crazy idea. This is a crazy idea. But even <laughs> that, we, you know, we were doing a bad job the whole time of, of accurately estimating how much time we had available. And so that's, that's the other big thing that we tried to change this time is to say, how many hours are really, like, honestly available to us do this work? And, and that mostly comes down to that whole idea in DevOps of making work visible, right? Uh, it's kind of going back through what we were doing and realizing just how much stuff we were not accounting for when we when we were putting our list together. Because the, the realistic number of hours that we have available to just – continue working on uh, level head stuff or rumpus stuff or whatever is something like, like a half. Thir- it's like a half work week. Well, it's like 32 generally, but then there's also like we account, you know, there's six hours of what you would call sort of like flex time, yep. which is shit's going to happen. Just there's going to be stuff mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. Maybe you got to fix a bug. Maybe there's a suddenly an email comes in and you got to like spend an hour going yep. through something for a, a well, contract. And because of all like. the business stuff that we're doing right now too, there's there's easily just – there's hours every week of just mm-hmm. of just things that might happen in emails that got to get managed. Um, and we just we just weren't accounting for that stuff. That was, right. just, that was just stuff that we knew we had to – like vague stuff that was going to get done because it was administrative. Yeah, whatever. I mean like I've, I've done this to myself so so many times in the past where I'd be like – you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to like work on Arduino or something, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'd go to my calendar and I'd sketch it out, you know, and I'm like, okay, like we're going to work until six. Then I'm going to commute for 30 minutes to get back <laughs> yep. home. Mm-hmm. And then boom, two hour chunk of Arduino. Then I'm going to do the, like, oh, look at all this time I have. And then, then I get, get home, home and I'm like, I'm hungry. Oh, fuck. I, I didn't to eat. forgot yep. to add eating <laughs> to my <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and then And then you're going to talk to your you know, talk to your yeah, wife. Like, you're where was that? With your dog. You're yeah. gonna gotta get ready for bed in a reasonable uh, yeah. time. Yeah, it's just realistically there isn't that much. So time. it turns out like what I thought was like four hours was like maybe an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like one or one and a half. And it was like a scattered hour and a half. You know. Yep. Um, yeah, I think just for whatever reason, no matter how many life experiences we have, we just can't fucking forecast yeah. <laughs> any of this stuff. Well, so yeah, what we try to do is just do a much better job of of being sort of conservative about how many hours we actually had as in as in even trying to underestimate a bit because you're still going to overestimate because you're still probably going to overestimate and then the worst case scenario if you if you have underestimated is that you just go to add some more work to your pile you know Mm -hmm. so as long as the to-do list you know which is right next to the doing list as long as everything in there is important then if you do somehow manage to get through all the stuff that we actually thought we could truly get through you can just get some more stuff whatever there's there's just a bonus at that point yeah Um, but but the idea i mean the point here is that this doesn't change anything about your ability to get work done, it just makes it more honest what is going to get done, right? I think it relaxes you. It relaxes you because, yeah, you're not you're not constantly trying to, to battle an infinite list of things because, again, the outcome is the same. You can only do as much work as you can do and that's it. And so if you sit down and you say, well, because of all this other stuff, I actually only have 22 hours in a week to really like – move the ball on, Which on something. Which was always true. That was already true. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not that you were only giving yourself 22 hours and then- No, you just only have, that's, that's all you ever had. had. Yeah. And now you're being honest about it so you can you can accurately allocate work and then feel good about having accomplished things. I think it actually helps you prioritize, to be honest. It does. And it also helps you identify places where maybe you could try to find ways to get some hours back, you know? Yes. So it's all very interesting. I love this stuff. It's always, and it's always stupidly surprising. Yeah, like yeah. just how obvious these things are in hindsight, and how opaque they are in the moment. Yep. Um, and then last bit of studio stuff is uh, I started streaming on Twitch again, doing a little bit of game dev. Um, and so by started again, does this mean you did it once and that's it, or does this that's mean you're what starting is? <laughs> I would I would think. Um, so I haven't continued streaming uh-huh. yet, but I have started. Okay. Is there a plan to or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. So my, my plan is, so over at our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash bscotch, um, you can just follow there and I'll be creating events with, for, for future streaming. It's, it's generally going to be um, two hour chunks on like Saturday and or Sunday. Um, in the past, I did it in four hour chunks and that was too, too fucking too long. Heavy. Yeah. 
I'd have to take like a 10 minute break in the, in the middle, just like cough a whole bunch. You know, kind of <laughs> my throat just hurt. Yeah, that's what I've been talking the, the so one much. time I did it a few weekends ago. Oh, just, you get hoarse. It nuked my throat. Yeah. My, my voice was dead. Yeah. So like two hours is totally manageable, but man, you get, you start going past that. And that's, that's well, I think, I think it's, it's one of those funny things is you don't realize because when you're having a conversation with somebody, then the other person takes up roughly half the time. Yeah. Talking. If you're doing a good job of it. If you're doing a good job of it. Uh, <laughs> actually, they actually take more if you're doing a good job of oh, it. Yeah. Uh, but when you're streaming, you're just talking, you know? Yeah. You're just talking the whole fucking time and so that's kind of like like i i would talk i talked more in that stream because i streamed for also like just like two hours two yeah. or four hours something like that i don't remember um but it was easily how much i would talk in a two-day span normally yeah. you know? <laughs> just yeah. all in one and, you're, and you're tired afterwards mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a lot um but so so i'm gonna try to do it in a more you know conservative way this time so you can steady so i can keep it steady, keep it steady. yeah um so yeah, that's uh that and all I'm doing there is basically just I'm programming a game that's that's a space game that's loosely based on the systems from uh Goop Legacy, which was our Shannon Jam game last year. Um so if you want to see some game dev, then go uh check that out. Uh, let's go on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bsketch.net. First question is the highest voted. We have a tie between the two top Ooh, questions. Okay. So uh one of them is from Bscotch Christine. Who says she's good, she's doing good on these yeah, podcast excellent. questions? Before you guys mentioned uh, of wanting to be an entertainment studio, is that still the goal, or has it shifted to be solely focused on games? Mm-hmm. When we first started the company, we called it Shenanigans because we were like, I don't really know what this company, is. what we're going to get up. To. We needed an umbrella organization because Adam was going to be making uh, science software. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, because I was still my plan at that time was still just to go down the being an academic scientist track. Yeah, and so basically having a company that you can do your work under just provides mm-hmm. you with good legal protections. That, that was also naive because I had found out a short time after that, that any university I went to would just own all of my intellectual property. So, mm. yeah. So I basically would not have been allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think as far as the, the entertainment company question, I think this comes from in a post crash lands world, we were like, you know what we could do like angry birds has a movie. Mm-hmm. Marvel started in comics. Now they're doing all sorts of stuff. Can we somehow? And we have wildly pitched these things to people because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we've met people who could make such things happen. But of course, they were like, eh, you know, maybe once your potatoes are too small, yeah, well, maybe yeah. once your Minecraft, maybe yeah. there isn't even a Minecraft movie. Ne- <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but there's a trillion YouTube videos. So I guess that balance. Well, they have that. a lot of other stuff though. That's, that's the general Wait, point. Is, is, speaking of which, did you guys see the Cats trailer? No, Cats, the Broadway the musical, musical Cats. Yeah, is being made into a movie, and it is it is. Uncanny Valley City, my yeah. friends. These are well, huge- is it CGI? Yes, it's like partial CGI. It's like it's like, it's like, it's like human faces and then CGI around it or something like that. It's like human faces and like humanoid, no. like, like naked cat bodies. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Cats was, <laughs> cats was already kind of it was already kind of creepy when it was just makeup. You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, get your get ready to get your creep on because it's <laughs> it's, it's Cause something because everyone's slinking around like a cat and then like I think they lick their legs and stuff at various. There's just yeah. like yep. yep. There's, there's a lot of flexibility. It's all, it's yeah. all in there. And it's like Idris Elba and Taylor Swift is in this movie. What? Yeah, I think Ian McKellen is in it. Shit, it's it's got this like wacky all star cast. <laughs> oh, well, Cats is a big deal, you know. It is. Yeah, yeah I kind of want to. I'm going to have to see oh, it. You man. have to. See, you have to watch <laughs> the trailer. See it. But there was this, there was a sort of like overwhelming reaction of people being like, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like the Sonic response, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's just like why? But, why this way? Why did you? Why right. did you why make have these you decisions? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, so, so, so the, the, the broader <laughs> point is that is that the the quest for becoming a broader studio was the idea, which is saying, okay, yeah, we make games, but can we unfold this into all the different mediums? Well, it was really that we make we make an IP of yes. of uh, we make a cross a cross media intellectual property so so that our universe is all tied together for that reason all of our games live in the same universe um it's all very uh comedic and character like all these wacky characters and stuff and yeah the idea was this doesn't have to stay in games yeah but i think the the reality so again the with the naivety at the time was that oh yeah that's a thing we can just do with our current squad Mm -hmm. because we made the game so surely we could like do that other stuff too and the reality is that uh each one of those things we want to dive into would require. It's just as hard as the thing we're currently doing. Well, yeah, not only that, but like, you, I don't think this is something you can push out there into the world. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, 
if you want to have a movie made about the IP from your game, that's what happens when like they come to you yeah. and say like, Hey, your IP is popular. And we want, we think there's money in a movie. Like we'll pay you for the, you know, like that's right. how that goes. The licensing agreement and do the whole Yeah. Thing. You don't go like knocking on, you know, Universal Studios door and being like, you've never heard of this, <laughs> but it's going to do great. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're just sitting tight on. I think if we yeah. actually really wanted to move in that direction, we'd probably need a couple more very powerful games under our belt. And then and they'd all have to be uh, very clearly in the same universe. So we can make sure that IP is really strong and, and do then, dramatically better than Crashlands. Yeah. Like by a, well, by probably. orders of magnitude. Yeah. And then we needed a very large team. Yeah. Although really manage, what we would do is we would just let somebody license it and have them take. Cause other, one of the things too is we I love the idea of like hiring somebody to make toys and stuff mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to distribute that shit or whatever. But it's like, no, that would suck. And then for us to do, yeah, so, yeah. We need, what we need to do is find somebody who is who is an expert at that thing. You know, find a Hasbro, find a whatever, and license our IP to them. Where we just make like you know pennies on the dollar. But hey, our toys are out there, and that's yeah. pretty fucking rad. You know. Yep. Yeah. So it's more about we got to just do what we're good at, which is the game thing. And as, if we get to a point where we do that good enough, then other then, people can do what they do good, which is <laughs> with make, our goods, which is made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And then we deliver the goods real good Uh and everything's good. All right. Next question comes from Angry Muffin. This was also tied for top. Angry Muffin says, I enjoyed the shenanigans so much last year and I'm definitely uh, looking forward to this year's with much anticipation. What was your favorite part of the shenanigans last year? What part did you look back and think we could slash should have definitely not done that part? Mm, Well, I think they're actually kind of both the same for me because we ended up – everyone sort of spilled out to the bar next door called Scottish Arms, which has this big, nice outdoor patio in the back. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of took it over and it was my favorite part, which is just literally sitting around a fire with everybody because almost everybody came to that post-event too. We hung out there for like three hours or something. That was a while. But like 11 or something. Until 11, like from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. But this was in the middle of October. It was cold. It was was very cold. And so I think the next day like I was just – Destroyed. I think we had some folks drive up from like Florida or something. I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was both my favorite thing and also the thing. It's part of the reason why we moved it a month earlier this year too, is because we figured we'll probably go over there again and it would make more sense. It'll be warm. It was, like, warm and it'll be. It might be too the, warm. It'll even, be in the but, evening instead yeah. of uh, 10 p.m. like yeah, last yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, so actually, because it'll be end of September, so that the possible temperature range is kind of wide, but it's probably not going to be extreme heat or extreme cold. We're going to yeah. be we're going to be somewhere in between those. Some things. Of the nice zone. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, and I mean it. Yeah, that that was it for me as well. It was just that we got to we had to just sit down and just like be people together mm-hmm. with all these all all of our community members and and like other game developers and people listen to the podcast and um we got to learn more about them yeah. and just hear about. Like who, who are these people that are listening to our stuff mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, which was really nice. Uh, so anything we definitely shouldn't have done otherwise. I think the rest was, it was all fine. Yeah. Worked yeah. out great. I think the only other thing was, was last time we did like a, uh, opening like 30 minute presentation right into the, right into the podcast. I think we just had people sitting too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I think this time we're breaking it up a little bit to like break up the cadence of the events. So you're yeah. not just like sitting on your butt, listening to a thing for an hour and a half. All right. Next question comes from Drell. Thanks for putting together the Shenana Jam. I was looking forward to participating for months, but recently I started a nine to five game dev job. And when the jam started, I was too tired to participate. How do you guys have the energy to do all the extra things you do, especially when they are related to what you do for a living? Mm. Here's the secret. We don't have the energy. <laughs> We're very tired. <laughs> Just- well, I, th- I think there's, there's two things about it. I think one is that um, people energy doesn't work like a battery. I think it's is probably one of the metaphorical problems here, which is that you might you probably have had this happen before where you come home and you're tired as fuck, right? And then you either boot up a game or you just have an interaction with someone and you're just jazzed. Yeah. You, you, know? you, do, a thing, you do a thing that obviously takes energy because all things exactly. do. And then you leave it with more energy. So and what's <laughs> happening there? And I think a big part of it as far as like managing this energy flow is recognizing that that – People don't just deplete over the course of the day, and then you have to, so you have to start by believing that as sort of a, a thing. And I think it's very easy because, especially in American culture, everyone likes to talk about how busy and tired they are. Right? It's just—I mean, I think we've ever done it on the podcast a few times. Like, it's just a thing we I do. Just did it eight seconds you ago. Just did it seconds ago. So, to be fair, though, you're in enormous pain and you can't sleep. So I, think I am. Got, so you probably I'm actually excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> I have a horrible tooth problem, and I'm just kind of just trucking through yeah, it. Set things to leave, basically, after this podcast. Get that fixed. But. Mm-hmm. um 
a big part of that then is is finding a way to switch into an activity that gets you that gets you that sort of hype point. And what I found, Adam, I actually about this with uh, with running last week because uh, I think you mentioned like after it takes a while while you're yeah. running before you're actually okay with running, right? Yeah, before you it takes, well, it takes a long time. <laughs> well, I think I think and my wife and I are talking about this too because she still hates running. She's getting mm-hmm. she hates it less now, but it's like you know she's got to get over that that uh that initial phase because she she was never a runner mm-hmm. and so she hasn't gotten the chance to over time kind of get over that interface which takes a long fucking time but even like when you start running though yeah how yeah, long yeah, does no, it yeah. take it's, it's, yeah. But, it, but i think that but that thing is a, is a function of the other one right so mm-hmm. it's like the more you've been running so that you're just in better shape and can run longer you know um and the more you've gotten used to it and just just done it it still is always the case that you first start running and it just always sucks mm-hmm every time without fail because your body just like seems to have forgotten just what it means to exert physical effort, yep. you know, and it hates it. It just hates it. It's like, why and, are we doing this? Yeah. What, why have you done this to me? You know? <laughs> so like your knee, it's like my knees are hurt the moment I start running. Like there's just, as if like, as if damage had been done to them, you know, they're like, it hurts every time I hit the ground, <laughs> my muscles all start to like feel weird and like creaky, you know? And, <laughs> but then like a, a block in like that all goes away. Yep. Your body's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll shut off that. Up, exactly. <laughs> shut off the pain valve. Yeah. So there's so there's that piece. It's like you got to get over that hump yeah. to get going. But the other thing is just the practice of having done it in the first place. So you're, so you're in good enough shape that you can get past that hump and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other thing is that when you like with uh, for me with exercise um, for for literally for months, like while I'm getting back into it, the whole time I'm doing it, my brain is just trying to get me to stop. Mm-hmm. It's just like you could stop. At any moment, you put it down and walk who's, away. Who's gonna, yeah, who's going to know? Because we'll give a shit, right? And uh, you know, treadmill, you haven't even moved. Just step one yeah. step to the right, right <laughs> where you started. Exactly. Go home. What you know? What does it matter? Like, what does it matter if you stop here versus the next mile or whatever? You know, yeah, you haven't even gone a mile. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> and, and so, so yeah, so, so my brain's constantly just telling me to quit it. Um, mm-hmm. Or if I'm running outside, it'll be like, okay, when you hit that next next that next corner, you can stop. You know, right. it's like it's always looking for the next opportunity to stop. Um, but I finally got in enough physical shape for running that now I'm actually just thinking about other stuff, yep. you know, after that first shitty phase where you got to get my body back. Well, I guess the important note though is that it, even when you're good at something, uh, that first little bit of time, yeah, is getting always, over that hump. it's always your bones are creaking and your body's screaming in pain or your yeah. mind, whatever. And then it's fine. And yeah. so for me, this, but, like, the, but you have to be very practiced to get into that spot where it's fine. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's, it's not. At the very beginning, it's just only creakiness and horribleness. And it yeah. takes longer than you would think. It takes a lot longer. Because I know, I know if, if I've been, exor- been exercising uh, in, in quite a while and then I get back into it, it's it's actually pretty easy the first week because there's also that like momentum, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where you're just like, like, yeah, I'm getting back into I'm it. I'm doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, you'll do it. <laughs> and then the next week, it's, you're sore. it's still, like, you're sore, but you're still kind of proud of yourself. Yeah. So you're still good. And you get into the third week and you're like – it, this still fucking hurts. And yep. nothing has happened nothing yet. Nothing is happening yet. Yeah. And that's where you start to hit that point where – And you actually are doing worse the third week because yeah. now you're sore. Now and so you're you're, tired. You can't lift as much weight and you're tired. And, yeah. So you're yeah. not seeing the results. It hurts. It doesn't, it's not any easier than it was. It's way harder than it was. And that's that's the point where you know people just like drop right off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, think, well, I think there's a, there's a certain level of, of healthy – uh, disconnect from the care of being tired that you have to cultivate basically yeah. when it comes to developing any form of expertise, whether it's going to the gym or whatever else, uh, where it's okay to be kind of tired when you start doing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, you, and not want to, when you and not want to stuff. do it because the reality is usually, and, and I'm sure like if you, if there's something you really want to do, if it's game day related or whatever, when you get home, um, next time you, you give it a go, just time it. Because what I found when I run is it literally is seven or eight minutes. If I can get if I can get past the seven or eight minutes when I'm running or when I'm drawing, if it's like 15 to 20 minutes, if I can just be doing it for that long, then I'm fine and I'm in it. You can do it for then, hours now. And then after a couple hours, I can't sleep because I'm so fucking jazzed now, yeah. right? Um, but but if you can't – like you, if, I think being able to put a timer on that and saying, like, okay – you mean find the time. Find the time. Yeah. Like so just so you know, like, do you think exactly. that, so you that, know when it's coming? Yeah. Because I, I feel like this is, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just that because it's your brain, it doesn't hurt. You know what I yeah. mean? Like when you're running, you're like, fuck, ow. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're but when you're, correct. But when you're like drawing, like you're not in excruciating pain. You're just like. You just don't want to do it. You're just like, I just don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah. 
but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just like a mental resistance versus a physical resistance. But I think it's even yeah. easier to quit when it's just when it's just a mental resistance because when it's a physical resistance, you feel like you feel like you're letting something down by quitting, you know, because like mm. you're exerting all this effort and you're doing all the, and like, well, you can see it and you, you can, can see it, you can yeah. feel it. Uh, but the moment you're sitting down to draw, you're just like, I don't feel like doing this right now. You just, <laughs> you just get up and go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm uh, going to just use my brain differently, invisibly. On yeah, another it is, <laughs> right. It's basically, it's basically as if it never happened, you know, unlike if you try well, to go. Because also like the decision to do it was also in your brain. It's like, all you, don't, you don't need to gear up. Yeah. Like you don't need to put well, nobody saw you. shoes. Yeah. You well, but I think, <laughs> well, this is an important note though. Maybe you should put on Some parts of the success here are related to that where if there is a thing it's a ritual yeah the best advice for people going to work out which i think is kind of equivalent to this um these are things you never are going to just have the energy quote unquote to do they just it's just not going to like appear you you. you just wait around and then one day you're like there it is yeah so so if you just started like a nine to five you know full gig where you're essentially using your mental energy a ton one is like we talked about, give yourself a good break between those two things. So when you get mm-hmm. home, make some nice food, you know, hang out a little bit and then just pick one thing to do that's for, you know, something like 40 minutes max. Yeah. Like if you manage to do that, that's phenomenal because the reality is that is that if you look at like we just talked about any person who's in a professional capacity, they're not actually able to put in 40 hours a week or even 60 if you're crunching um, of genuine, still only 20. Yeah, <laughs> of genuine like productive energy. And so. If you think about over the course of a week, if you do a couple nights of like 40, 45 minutes, you still get a couple hours in, which mm-hmm. is fantastic, right? And mm-hmm. so, again, like having that relaxed mode about it, timing it so you know when you're going to enter that window and then doing the preparation so that you have to suit up, I do think is important. Yeah. So, like I have a huge stack of pens and stuff on the side of my desk and whenever I'm going to draw on paper, then I just like get them all. I sort of like do my little – get them all out and organize them a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? Yep. That's my little thing. I, I fucking love Saturday mornings because I'll get up at like 630 and then I'll go make myself some toast and some coffee and I just sit down and all I do is I just go into the, the level head Trello and I just find all of the 15 minute cards mm. and I just like stack them up and just like burn down tiny odd jobs mm-hmm. basically for like a couple hours and it feels awesome. Like it's just one of my favorite things to do. Um, but that's that's all part of the ritual as well, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like it's it's getting up at that time of day before anything is happening. And like by the time by the time uh, my wife even gets up out of bed, like I've already done two hours yeah. of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my day carries on as normal. Maybe like I'll go work on another game project or whatever. But it's really just about like finding those rituals and finding that time to just do it. Um, all right. Let's, last question comes from Zivix. What will you guys do if the podcast questions page ever runs out of questions? A karaoke segment? probably not a karaoke segment probably what we did in the beginning when we had you know five people listening which is just talk about other stuff that's it yeah although what's the likelihood that we run out of questions it's just like the level hood workflow I I think it will not well the the only reason that that's actually even possible is because of the fact that questions expire yeah they used to not expire yeah which gives we actually an infinitely growing list Mm -hmm. so we made them expire they still did, oh yeah, when we when we changed over, I think the yeah. I think the old version also had expiring ones, but it was uh, every like month or something. I can't remember what it was. And we're, the the expiration is now very aggressive, actually. So it's like if you put a question out and it doesn't get upvoted within like five days, it just goes away now. Um, I think so every, ask every a good one. Yeah, every upvote adds some adds some time Delayed to it. Yeah. Extinction. It, it, it increases its lifespan a bit. Um, yeah, so I think. I feel like though, I mean, if we get if we have like a few thousand people listening and we just don't have any questions, I feel like we'd be like, maybe we fucked up the code on the website. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's probably the more likely kind of scenario. What have we done to cause this? Because mm-hmm. it's probably our problem at that point. Yep. Um, okay. Well, let's get one last question then, because that was a quick and easy one. Beaky Bapa Boop says. How well can you estimate how long a feature will take to build? As a beginner, I am not very good at it. Do you have any tips on this how to do that? On topic also. On this point. Yeah. Uh, so how do you how do you estimate how long a feature will take to build? Uh, spitball. Yes. Just spitballing it. Everything takes longer than you think, but also shorter than you think. Yeah. So Basically, that, the key is your wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just I, I think I think so. So an important thing is to, is taking into consideration literally every aspect of it. You know. So if you're if you're programming. Taking search the fact you got to write tests, you got to write documentation, yeah, break it apart. Most you got to do the design work. Most of the reason why something actually ends up taking you longer is because there's parts of it that you didn't think about when you're doing your forecasting. Yeah. So if you just actually take a sec before you 
guess how much time it's going to take and say, okay, what, you know, what's the reality of how this actually will get through? What are all the pieces so that this could be considered done? That'll definitely help you be more accurate mm-hmm. on that. Um, but you're, you're only going to be pseudo accurate on things that are close to routine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, we know how long it will take to add like cer- certain new items to level head. Yep. Um, because we have, we've now have a hundred something items and we like, we know the process, right? Um, and we're still going to be wrong, but it'll be closer than, for example, if we want to add like a random playlist generator to level head, cause that's a whole new thing and there's nothing else like it. And we would have to plot out all of the different mm-hmm. pieces that would have to go. And we'd be wrong about all those. And then we add all that together. It's Super bunch wrong. of wrong. It's just bunch, we're just adding a bunch <laughs> of wrongness together. But I think the, the, Key question here is what are you using the time estimate for? Yeah. Because your degree of wrongness uh, is going to uh, is gonna affect you differently depending on the intent behind the estimates. Yeah. Right? If you're basically trying to hit a milestone right down from above or if you don't hit it, then you're going to get like fired or you're going to lose a contract or whatever. That's very different than just being like, I've decided that I want to get this done by next week. Right. right? Yeah. They're if you're dealing different. with a belligerent manager, just quadruple that shit. Yeah. You're like, here's how long it may take which is also which is the wrong starting point yeah and then just just multiply that by four yep because uh, yeah, if, if you're trying to have an honest an honest take because like you get to control your own work to some degree uh then in that case it's, all, it's like what i what i do is i basically just uh i kind of do things in basically like three hour intervals right which mm-hmm. is like there's little tiny things where i'm like half an hour just any tiny thing no matter how small it is half an hour because like Realistically, I probably could probably get most of that done stuff and done in like five minutes, but it's probably going to cascade into a test that's now going to fail. So to go fix the test, I'm going to update the documentation. Or, or in the process, you might find some other exactly. problem. Exactly. Probably, aware of, and I like you know? to save time for refactoring because anytime I see code, I refactor it every time I look at my code. Yeah. If you only give yourself the minimum amount of time to just make the feature yep. and you don't build in refactoring and, and cleanup and documentation, then your code just always gets worse over time. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so I You're just work in, stuff these, real fast. I work in these big chunks where the idea there is like, okay, my best case scenario is that I actually get all this stuff done and still have time left over. I've got infinite stuff to do. I'll just go do some more things. It doesn't actually matter. The, the main thing is that you want to have, you want to give your team and yourself a sense of what actually can get done, right? That's the the key. And, and for me, that's basically about being about conservatism, which is saying like, realistically, I am confident because I've, I do things in three hour buckets. And so if things looking like it's going to be at the end of that three hours, it's six now. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, so that realistically I can say like, when we sit down and we have our meeting and talk about our sprint, talk about what we're trying to accomplish, I can say, I can get this done by next week. Right. That's, so I can say like, that is going to happen. Um, a whole bunch of other things might also happen, but that's not what we care about. What we care about is the thing that we that really thing, need to happen. Right. And when is it going to happen? Yeah, that's so, it's a good way to do the forecasting. Right? Yeah. yeah. Especially if other people are depending on you is only, only, show the things that you definitely are going to be. Able yeah. To do. And then just have a whole bunch of other work that you can also do. Um, and yeah, and otherwise it's not about accuracy. It's about, it's about, uh, it's about trying to accomplish this goal of, of having good team communication and, and having things happen when people need it to happen. Um, and the more granular you get, the more wrong you are. So like, so that, which is why I done. I'm just like, it's like three hour buckets with, uh, with on the low end for like a, for a little, for tiny, tiny tasks, half an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. But for everything else is in a three hour bucket because, who the fuck knows what's going to happen, you know, <laughs> when you get in there and do it. And, well, and you got to give yourself the time to to feel like it's okay to do to take care of those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. We, we spoke with somebody from another studio a while back who's talking about the way that their team estimates uh, tasks, which was everybody else on the team who, who isn't in your domain uh, would tell you how long they thought the thing should take. Which is pretty mm. wild. And then you would have your own estimate. And if, and if it was different, then you would have to sort of like make the case as to why you're right and literally everybody else is wrong, right? Yeah. The weird, uh, the weird uh, sort of assumption behind that being that like that, that th- if a lot of people agree on something, then it's, then it's more correct. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, despite them having absolutely no understanding yeah. of what mm-hmm. goes into it. So don't do that one. I feel yeah. like that's crazy. Yeah, that's a little much. Yeah. yeah. But the nice thing is if, if this is all visible, so if you sit down and you say like everyone gets together for your for your whatever whatever meeting style you have and they try to decide how the work is going to go and they're like, okay, this is what we need from, you know, from you, from this person for, you know, for the next sprint. Um, and you say, cool, like I can get this done, right? Uh, oh, shit, I just lost my train of thought. 
I felt it happening. <laughs> I mean, I think if, if it's the case that you're in a group, then the, the nice thing about actually discussing the forecasts in a group setting oh, right, is yeah, that someone you can, can decide actually, if the work is appropriate. Yeah, or someone could say, I don't think you're actually factoring in time. Are you factoring right. in time for yep. refactoring documentation? It's about that's important the visibility, the yeah. yeah. Right. So that, that's actually the most important part of all of it is, is about the visibility, about the deciding if the work being done is the right work, yeah. right? Well, my so, guess is that that's what that intention is with that group idea. Yeah. It's supposed to be actually a safeguard, but right. probably actually in a managerial setting, you're going to get a downward pressure exerted on yeah. people's Well, well here's the, the yep. bullshit of all this is like, there's these things that called KPIs, mm-hmm. key performance indicators. I guarantee you that in any given company that has these kinds of production yep. processes, uh, documentation and testing are not included in their KPIs. No. Like that's the kind of stuff that breaks everything down the road. But in the moment, uh, it doesn't look like anything important is happening, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if all of your programmers were just required to set aside like a third of their time for refactoring and cleanup and optimizations, you know, like you're not going to – Which would be almost enough. Almost. You know, <laughs> you know if like – yeah, you spend like an hour writing your code and like 45 minutes cleaning it up and documenting yeah. and stuff. Um you know, you, you would end up with a dramatically more flexible and stable product in the end that you could easily work on and you could easily expand the team or whatever. But in the moment, it's just going to seem like things are a little bit slower. Yeah. And, you know, managers don't like that. So I think, yeah, it all just kind of depends on who is the estimate for, what are you using it for, but overestimates are always good. Yeah. And, and the important point is the estimate doesn't change how the work gets done. Right. Mm-hmm. The work is still going to get done under. Yeah. It's going to get done. However, it's going to get done. The estimate is it's serving some purpose, a broader organizational purpose of trying to understand how the work is being allocated. Yeah. And there's maybe another layer to that too, which is like, it, it kind of depends on the dynamics of your team because I, I know that because of crunch culture and, and a lot of the kinds of stuff that happens in a lot of tech companies, you, you may come in and somebody will say like, we need this new feature. And you'd be like, all right, it's going to take me, you know, about 30 hours or so. Uh, so I, I can probably have that by this time. And they'd be like, well, that's not fast enough. Mm-hmm. And then your response could just be like, that sucks <laughs> <laughs> because that's just that's how, how long, it long it's going to take. Um, and, and I think there's also that kind of like unhealthy uh, response to those kinds of things of trying to find ways to cut the corners and try to mm-hmm. find ways to like get it there, um, j- even just for like arbitrary internal deadlines or whatever. And it rarely – it rarely pays off in the long run to, mm-hmm. to do that. We didn't just say that you should that you should also seek perfectionism either, right? It's still it's still about but finding do a that, good job. But you got to do a good yeah. job, and and you cut, you cut a corner, you make two more corners. Yep, that's the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's all about planning for the future, right? Because if if you're gonna make if if you're sacrificing the some sort of future thing, um, which is mostly gonna be like the quality of the thing or or work that has to get done in the future. Uh, for some near-term gain, then that is basically the wrong move um, almost all the time. Yes. Unless, so, you, unless you just really have to because like if – you know, that's life sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you really have to but but unless you do, then it's just a bad idea. Yes. All right, well, I think that's a good point to leave it on. Um, so we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net where we have links to everything. And of course – Get your tickets for Shenanicon over at meet.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.